delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangsta Rap. Let's go. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The phrase defund the police became popularized in the wake of the protest of the summer of 2020. Many found this statement to be alarming, but it was intended to begin a national conversation around rethinking what policing means. Defundthepolice.org refers to this as, quote, a movement to redirect public resources away from traditional policing, end quote, and subsequently offers various alternatives to police services. However, After nearly two years and numerous local and state governments experimenting with various ways of defunding and reallocating police resources into programs that would theoretically reduce criminal activity, we are left to examine the results so far. There are cases being made about cities across America that have defunded and reallocated police budgets, only to later report an increase in crime. But a USA Today article entitled, Fact Check, No Evidence Defunding Police to Blame for Homicide Increases, experts say, tells a different story. The article states that it's, quote, too soon to say for sure, experts told USA Today. A combination of social unrest, rising firearm sales, economic stress, and other pandemic-related factors could be behind the spike, end quote. There is a good amount of data available for public consumption. However, as we've seen time and again, even numbers can be made to look more or less sinister than they actually are. In either case, we must now begin to ask ourselves the most important question of all. Does defunding the police actually work? To help us answer this, I have today's guest, Reverend Markel Hutchins with us. Reverend Hutchins is a civil and human rights leader and the chairman and CEO of Movement Forward, Inc. This is our daily story, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. Well, welcome, Reverend. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get started. So depending on the city, the municipality and the county, everyone has a different definition of what it means to defund the police. What is your definition? I think the the basic uh, sentiment is not what uh, is a matter of individual definition. The words defunding the police conjure up in many of the American people the notion of taking resources away from law enforcement So I think one of the things that we have to deal with is the difference between definitions uh, of the 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 those who uh, were the creators of the terminology and what the vast majority of the American people believe that fund the police movement is all about. The truth of the matter is that words matter. And and this is not just a subject matter that is being contemplated by legal minds or academic minds, this is being consumed by the majority of the American people as something that takes away resources from law enforcement. And that is the terminology that I believe is doing more harm to communities than good. As we see, Brother Ja, around the country, communities of color are disproportionately being impacted by the increase in violent crime. And while I agree that there are a number of factors that have contributed to the increase in violent crime that we're seeing in our most vulnerable communities, the idea of taking resources away from law enforcement for whatever reason 
is not one that is in the best interest of communities of color. And that's what my concern is about the usage of the terminology defund the police. Okay. So how about this? In some cities, the crime rate increased after police departments were initially defunded. According to the Wall Street Journal, in places like New York, Baltimore, Oakland, and Los Angeles, there has been a reversal or a proposed reversal of the defunding of their police departments. Does this tell the whole story, or do you believe, as was stated in the aforementioned USA Today article, that there are external factors that may contribute to the increased crime rates? I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. And I do believe sincerely that there is a direct correlation between this notion of taking resources away from law enforcement and the increase in violent crime that we're seeing. Across this country, we have seen relationships between law enforcement and residents fray, particularly in the communities of color. And the response to these tensions have been uh, unprovoked lethal force and other injustices that have led to marches and protests and in too many instances, riots. Look, I've been marching for social justice, the sum total of my adult life. But at this point, the number one challenge that we face in this country today in communities of color is crime and violence. It is out of control in New York, in Atlanta, in D.C., in Detroit, and so many other cities. We need to increase funding for law enforcement. We want police officers to be as well-trained as they possibly can. We want them to police aggressively with fairness, with dignity. We want them to be non-biased. We don't want them to uh, act as predators in our community. But the challenges that we're seeing that are taking too many lives of our young people through crime and violence must be addressed and law enforcement has got to be a part of that. I agree with President Biden. I I was really encouraged, my brother, when I heard the president say in the State of the Union address, the answer is not to defund the police, it is to fund the police. We need to better train them. We need to better equip them. We need to better help them to know the people in the communities that they're policing. And we cannot do that. And we also need to give them the best resources and tools that are available. Every police officer in this country should have a taser or some other weapon that they can uh, get situations under control without using deadly force. We need to give them as much technology, as many resources as possible so that they don't pull their gun uh, as a as a first option, but also give them the resources that they need to help deal with the challenge of violent crime that's happening in too many of our communities. Okay, so let's. Let's look at the other side of this. Um, Camden, New Jersey is a city that previously held one of the country's highest homicide rates. And it is now an example of where defunding the police and or reallocating funds has worked. Um, Camden city leaders worked together to shift funding into education reform, workplace development, and ousting blight in city neighborhoods. The police were retrained in use of force, de-escalation tactics, and outfitted with body cameras. Does it take these types of changes or more to produce the results that the supporters of the defund the movement, defund the police movement want to see? Well, I think, first of all, we have to really look at what actually happened in Camden, New Jersey. The idea that some people have put forward that they dismantled the police department is, is actually not true. They took the police department away and bought the police department back. Basically, they uh, fired and then rehired the law enforcement. It was largely symbolic. 
number one. Secondly, there has been increased funding and support for law enforcement. They expanded the tent for public safety to include all of these other resources. So it's not that they defunded or took away the resources that were needed to provide adequate law enforcement services. They just expanded those. And I think every one of us uh, across this country in every city needs to advocate uh, the, the inclusion in public safety budgets of things like mental health services, of non-emergency workers who can help to deal with some of the uh, issues around mental health and wellness. But those things need to be supplements to our police budgets, not as a supplement. Uh, it needs to be a supplement, not a supplant. And, and I think that's what we saw work in Camden, and that's what we will see work in other communities across the country. This notion that it's an either or, like we have to take money away from the police in order to put it into these other services, I think is a false premise. We have to do both at the same time because that's what actually works. Hmm. Now, now, there were lots of activists who, when they were initially fighting for the defunding of police departments around the country, they held a lot of suspicions that a lot of the city leaders weren't serious about reallocating police budgets in the first place. After seeing the restoration and even the bolstering of many cities' previous police budgets, do you think the activists were justified in their suspicions? And how do you feel like this moment feels to the activists? Well, I think what has happened across the country in a lot of these cities where um, a, a lot of this kind of movement of resources has happened is in majority cities that are run by majority African-Americans. And I think what has happened is as the crime and violence has escalated in a lot of these cities, the black politicians and elected officials who govern these cities have tried to be responsive to the demands and the needs of the community. So as crime and violence has escalated, there's an obvious need to address those crimes and to try to get violence under control. For example, in the city of Atlanta, where I live, we have a wonderful mayor named Andre Dickens, who's, who happens to be a friend of mine. We have a wonderful police chief, uh, Rodney Bryant, who is, who is a, these are good brothers, these are good black men that want to do what is best for communities. Of course, they want our neighborhoods to be treated with fairness and equity by law enforcement. But the largest issue that we're facing in the city of Atlanta, just like Baltimore, New York, and other cities across this country, is the increase in violent crime that, again, is taking away too many of the lives of our young people. So I don't look at it with such suspicion, even as an activist. I look at it as these black uh, elected leaders and law enforcement executives are doing what is necessary to be responsive to the challenges that we're facing. There's a direct correlation between the increase in violent crime and the tensions that we've seen across the country over the last couple of years when it comes to police community relations. I, I once believed that the marches and protests were the only effective way uh, on their own of, of bringing some of these issues to light. But I've recognized that a lot of these uh, elected officials, a lot of these black politicians, and a lot of these law enforcement leaders, particularly the black ones, are in it for the right reason. They want to do the right things for our communities. We have to walk side by side with them as activists, recognizing that the pathway to progress around these issues is a conciliatory one. We are all interested in equity and justice 
fairness as well as safety in our communities. So we have to figure out ways to build bridges with our law enforcement and not to demonize one side or the other. Today's guest is Reverend Markel Hutchins, civil and human rights leader and the chairman and CEO of Movement Forward, Inc. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. So there are people who believe that the defunding of the police and the reallocating of police resources, it, it just hasn't had enough time in practice to draw any meaningful conclusions about the merits of the ideas. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, we, what we do know is that there's a shortage of law enforcement professionals in this country. What we do know is there's a deficit in equipment uh, there's a deficit, as I suggested, every law enforcement professional in this country who is trained should be trained with some non-lethal options like a taser or a bowler wrap, and they all should have alternatives. Every law enforcement agency in this country should have community resources that are, that are helpful to policing when it comes to dealing with mental health and wellness. What I do know is all of those things are necessary and all of those things take resources. When I also know is that crime and violence is affecting disproportionately our most vulnerable communities in the black community. We are seeing crime rates now that are greater than, than at the height of the crack pandemic in the 80s. We have got to, and it's people, it's black folks that are dying as a result of some of these issues. So while I don't really seek to argue about whether or not defunding, uh, whether there's not you know, enough merit to draw a meaningful conclusion, what I do know is that we've got to do something. And in order to do what needs to be done in our local communities, law enforcement agencies need the resources that, uh, uh, that will help them to address the things that are important to our communities. Now, the defund the police movement has called for not just the defunding, but really to create other programs, social programs that would prevent the necessity of so many police in the first place and prevent crime before it happens. Um, now, some cities have opted to defund their police departments and they haven't yet created fully functional and viable alternatives or social programs with those diverted funds. So let's discuss the optics of the narrative. How are people able to use these factors to say that defunding the police doesn't work or hasn't worked yet? 
So here's what I here's what I would say to you. Unfortunately, the quote unquote defund the police movement, in my estimation, is doing more harm uh, to police is doing more to harm police community relations than to facilitate social justice. Ultimately, our aspiration as promoters of civil and human rights and social justice is to advance the cause of social justice. If the question for debate is, should we support a more comprehensive view of public safety? The answer is absolutely. But far too many people uh, are arrested when they've got really when they, what they really need is uh, mental health treatment or other important social services. So the question uh, if the question is, should we support a more comprehensive view of public safety? Absolutely. And I think all Americans, again, of goodwill should, it, should support increased funding for alternative approaches to providing for public safety. That is distinctly different from what I believe is intentionally inflammatory and regressive, quote, defund the police rhetoric. Communities that need uh, effective policing the most are the ones that suffer the most from decreases in funding to law enforcement. America needs more funding for law enforcement professionals so that they are better prepared, more diverse, more responsive, and better equipped. So again, I think the question is a matter of language, and language matters. So do we need to allocate more resources for viable and functional alternative programs? Absolutely. But that does not and should not require us diverting funds away from law enforcement because our communities sure need good police. Now, as you mentioned in uh, President Biden's recent State of the Union address, he said the answer was not to defund the police, but rather to, this is a quote, fund the police with resources and training they need, end quote. With that being said, what are some of the things we can expect in terms of the future of the defund the police movement? I think the defund the police movement, quite frankly, hasn't been a movement at all. I think it's been more of language, but a movement is actually going somewhere. And I think we've gotten too comfortable using the language movement. Movements actually take people somewhere that people need to go. What was so phenomenal and impactful about the civil rights movement and the movement for women's rights, even what we've seen recently in the movement for LGBTQ rights that led to marriage equality being the law of the land. I think those movements actually took a social injustice, uh, a set of social injustices, and took people in America where they needed to be, where we needed to be on those things. I frankly think that the defund the police rhetoric is dying down, and it's dying down because so many of our communities understand that we don't need to take away resources from, from police. We need to increase their resources, and I could not agree more with President Biden. Do we want police officers that treat us unfairly, that racially profile and abuse their power and authority? Absolutely not. We will continue to fight and advocate for the accountability of law enforcement professionals like the officer that killed uh, George Floyd. We'll continue to march for justice and equality. But just as we march for social justice on that side, we've also got to march for social justice in terms of making sure that we have adequate funding to support the training, the resources, the innovation, the technology, 
all of the things that are needed to equip public safety professionals to be more responsive to what the needs in our communities are. And that, in my estimation, is to deal with the out-of-control violent crime that has taken too many lives of people that look like you and I. Understood. Now, before we go, uh, tell me more about Movement Forward, Inc. and how people can follow you. Well, they can follow us uh, on social media at Movement Forward or follow me on any of the social media platforms at Rev Markell. Uh, we created Movement Forward. Uh, Brother John, I was very fortunate to be mentored by all of the civil rights icons that work very closely with Martin Luther King Jr., including his wife, Coretta Scott King, and Joseph Lowry, and Andrew Young, and Jesse Jackson, and all those folks. And so while I was born a decade after Dr. King was killed, I've been fortunate to be indoctrinated in this idea of nonviolence as a way of building bridges and bringing about solutions to the challenge that we face. So we created Movement Forward to take the challenges that we're seeing in this moment around civil and human rights and move them forward, forward into more collaborative bridge building space, forward out of the divisions and the optics of separation that have kept people of, of different races from embracing the idea that advancing civil and human rights and social justice for people of color is good for all of America. So we are a modern and inclusive civil rights organization. A couple of years ago, uh, we created National Faith in Blue Weekend, for example. It's the largest police community outreach project in the country today. So folks can follow us on social media at Movement Forward or follow me at Rev Markell. The idea that we have to put forward in this moment in time is that there's more that unites us together than there is that divides us. We've got to cause police officers and sheriff's deputies to see the humanity in communities of color and cause those people in communities to see the humanity in their law enforcement professionals. This is the most pressing issue that is for America today. And we all have to be a part of the solution and just standing in our individual corners, yelling and screaming at one another is not and has not worked. We have to come together at tables of sisterhood and brotherhood and figure out a pathway forward, but it has to happen in every community and in every neighborhood. And that's the challenge of black leadership at this moment in history. Well, thank you very much for your insight. Thank you so very much. Yes, sir. Uh, once again, today's guest is Reverend Markel Hutchins, civil and human rights leader and the chairman and CEO of Movement Forward, Inc. And before we go, I'll leave you with this. Societies are vast and complex. Social issues are nuanced and challenging. The line between feeling safe and feeling trapped is different for different people and cultures across different points in society. In many people's stories, the police are the good guys. In others, it's quite the opposite. Many people believe in charging our elected officials and our law enforcement officers with preventing crime. This seems like a tall order when for the most part, they're merely responding to crimes that have already taken place. However, polling shows consistently that many people agree that law enforcement officers are necessary and make people feel more secure. Perhaps the police deserve this validation, but perhaps, there is some merit to the ideas behind defining the police, even if the phrase sounds alarming. Perhaps that was the point all along. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. I am your host, Ramses Ja. 
Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.